BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Berry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me as always, Grayson Weir. We're here on a lovely Tuesday. Grayson, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Zach. How are we today? It is, uh, you know, just another day. Just same old, same old. Um, Getting ready for uh, Elite 11 Regionals this weekend. We'll be in Nashville. Got a couple uh, decisions coming up soon that uh, pertain to Ole Miss recruiting. So just trying to uh, get uh, all the ducks in the row, as they say. Um, prepare for those. We've got Dante Dowdle this Friday. We'll talk about that on the Thursday show. But we'll start with the one that is coming after Dowdle, but not too far away. Um, Jalen Robinson of UCF, former wide receiver and formerly of, of Oklahoma, um, took an official visit to Ole Miss for the Grove Bowl, then took an official to Tennessee last weekend. Um, he has narrowed it down to Tennessee and Ole Miss. Um, kind of a, I mean, I would say a fit and maybe raise your NFL draft ceiling versus familiarity and comfort of the former staff that you played for in Orlando. Um, Not that Tennessee couldn't potentially raise the ceiling for the draft, but um, the pool there is obviously Josh Heupel um, and some other staffers that were there at UCF when he was there are now in Knoxville. So, um, I'll throw it to you. We talk a little bit about Ole Miss and, and, and the, the town of Oxford specifically that is uh, really making a push for the uh, explosive slot receiver. Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's been interesting to see how Ole Miss has put such an emphasis at this slot receiver position. Um, there isn't a clear-cut guy kind of over the middle um for this fall and Ole Miss is really opening up its options uh to whomever might be interested initially it was Cam Johnson you and I spoke about him back a couple months ago on the pod and and we thought that there was a pretty good chance that Ole Miss could end up getting Cam Johnson to transfer within 
the SEC West out of Vanderbilt. He ultimately ended up at Arizona State, but not because Ole Miss, you know, missed out on him. Um, Ole Miss really kind of just backed all the way off of that recruitment after kind of being heavily in the mix and started to focus on Jalen Robinson. And so since Jalen has been heavily tied to Ole Miss being his visit to the Grove Bowl, while in Oxford for the Grove Bowl, he was the one in the now famous viral video where Kiffin is chauffeuring him around in that Rolls Royce and Jalen's in the back and says something to Kiffin and Kiffin turns around and shows the hoodie that says, you know, transfer to the sip. So that first and foremost is catering to a recruit. That is a clear, like, I can't imagine that Kiffin loved doing that. I can't imagine that any college coach would love doing that. Um, but that's a big, you know, kind of public thing to where Ole Miss, if they miss out on Jalen Robinson, that's kind of a tough look based on that video. And then on top of that, kind of the reason we're bringing this up now ahead of this March 18th commitment date is in Oxford at the Lyric. They did the fantastic renovation during COVID put in the new marquee and all that stuff on their sign. Jalen Robinson's social media handles at J flash one instead of an L the lyric put up on their marquee J flash hashtag come to the SIP. It was a very obvious outward public recruiting effort that you and I both agree is very cool. To put that up on the marquee like that is really, really cool. However, where we differ, and I'll I'll spin it back on you in a second, is I, as cool as it is, it is very, very cool. I think it looks awesome. I think the marquee is cool. I think the whole thing about the lyric is awesome. I love what they did with that sign. I love the fact that they're showing love to a player who could be a very valuable transfer. But I... I'm in the minority here because I pulled some of my high school friends who know nothing about Ole Miss and recruiting and college football and all that stuff. And they disagreed with me. They're on your side here. I think it's a little much. I think it's a little much for a guy who, yes, Jalen Robinson is a very good player and he has shown throughout his college career, particularly in 2020, that he is a viable slot guy who can get open, who can be a consistent target similar to an Elijah Moore to where you can just rely on him to get open over the middle. I'm not comparing the two players because they're very different from each other, but same idea where they get open in the slot. Very good player. But to put him on the marquee sign, what precedent does that set? Now, does every transfer that comes to Oxford get his name on the marquee? Does every recruit above a certain star rating that his name on the marquee does a recruit that comes to town, maybe a call it a five-star defensive tackle or a four-star running back, whatever it is. Are they now expecting their name to be atop the marquee? Do they 
get disappointed when they don't get shown that same love. Again, I'm in the minority here. I know it's a it's a take that you disagree, but I think it sets a standard and a precedent that now really needs to be reached for recruits who are, I mean, bigger and better than Jalen Robinson. And I just worry that maybe it's now, how can you top the sign on the marquee? I don't know what you can do that's bigger or better than that. And if Ole Miss does miss out on Jalen Robinson after he was chauffeured in the Rolls Royce by Lane Kiffin and had his name on the lyric marquee, I, I think it's a tough look. So if you land him, which I actually think as of right now, if you had to ask me which way he will lean, I, I think he's leaning towards Ole Miss. But if you do end up missing out and he goes to Tennessee, and perhaps that's part of it. Maybe it's kind of like a, oh, you know, Lane hates Tennessee. Ole Miss now by transitive property hates Tennessee. So they're showing all this extra love to a guy who's deciding between Ole Miss and Tennessee just because you can't lose a recruit to Tennessee. I don't know. I think it sets a precedent that I don't love. And I'd be curious to hear why you think it's totally awesome, which it is. It's really cool, but you don't see the same issue as I do. Why not? Well, I mean, I've been clamoring for this for a while. Um, I love the the use of the marquee sign in recruiting. Um, I know South Carolina has done it a ton. They have a really nice marquee in five points. They've done it for basketball, women's basketball, baseball, football. Um, and then tons of college towns have the throwback theater with the marquee. I just think it's a timeless, vintage, unique thing for college towns. Um, so I think it's great. I mean, I, I think that regardless of how good you perceive the prospect or, or what you think of him, which I think Jalen Robinson is a perfect fit for this offense. Um, you know, I've heard when he was in town for the Grove Bowl, double decker, um, they essentially sat him down in the, in the, in the film room with Derek Nix and the rest of the staff, Charlie Weiss Jr., um, Lane Kiffin, Seth Dagey, Dane Stevens, the whole staff, they sat down and they showed him just a career cut-up video of all Elijah Moore when he was with Lane Kiffin. Brilliant. So they're pitching that. Hey, you come here, you be this change of pace, make you miss in small spaces guy for us. A compliment to Michael Trigg, who can also be in the slot, but also be a, you know, a classic tight end. You can be a nice, um, again, a nice change of pace to the bigger receivers like Jonathan Mingo and, um, you know, Braylon Brown, some of these bigger targets, Brandon Buckhalter. Um, and I think one thing that we haven't really discussed here, I mentioned Jonathan Mingo, who had another surgery to try to fix Whatever is wrong with his foot, he was on a scooter at the Grove Bowl. The other guy that was probably poised to be what they're wanting Jalen Robinson to be, Jalen Knox, um, was in a boot at the Grove Bowl. They think he's going to be back mid-June, late June, maybe July. Um, Broke his foot in camp. So they've got some injuries. I mean, they don't really know 
what Jonathan Mingo's availability is going to be. How is his foot going to respond to the second surgery? Is he going to be 100%? I mean, he battled through it last year and gave him some stuff late. But, I mean, before the injury, looked like a guy that was poised to have a breakout year. Um, I mentioned Braylon Brown, another guy. High four-star signee um, out of an incredibly good high school program in Florida. They wanted him to be the next big thing at Ole Miss. At receiver, battled through a, just a nagging, nagging injury last year. I can't remember if it was grown, if it was a grown injury or hamstring, but either either way, both of those suck. And if you aggravate it just slightly, it can derail you for a couple of weeks. So he was never a hundred percent. They're trying to find ways to get guys to compliment Trig and to help this offense have an explosive playmaker because I do think this this offense is going to surprise a lot of people with how they run the football. They have one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country, and then you have two explosive transfers, two very different transfers, and Zach Evans, who's your kind of your prototypical two, three down back that can tote it you know, anywhere from 15 to 20, 25 times a game. And then you've got the the curveball that you can throw in there with Ulysses Bentley, who is a make you miss, get out in space, catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and then you've got the the veteran in, in Kittrell Bullock that's been there. He knows the offense. He knows what Lane Kiffin wants from his running backs. I think they're going to really surprise people with how well they run the football, but they, they are going to need a guy to be, hey, we it's third and seven. We need you to run a, you know, a six-yard route and get two more yards or get one more yard. I mean, they're going to they're gonna need that security blanket over the middle because I, I do think at some point, in case people haven't figured it out already, Michael Trigg is going to be special, and he's probably going to be um, the enemy of a lot of double teams. People are going to bracket him. People are going to try to take him away, hit him at the line of scrimmage, do not let him get a free release. So they got to find other players, and I think that – the emphasis that they're putting on Jalen Robinson is evident with the marquee and with the chauffeur video uh, before the Grove Bowl. Lane Kiffin stood out at midfield with him for a good 20 minutes talking with him, just this, just them two. So I think that he knows how much he's wanted at Ole Miss, and I think that the fit with, hey, you can come here and just be what Elijah Moore was. Um, I think that is something that has resonated with him. Now he went to Tennessee. I mentioned at the top of the show, loves the staff. Josh Heupel was there at UCF when he was there. Um, enjoyed his time. Uh, talked to talked up the staff. Said he liked the energy. There's obviously a buzz around Tennessee football right now with how well they're recruiting. But I, I do wonder. I've I've seen some people say this where it's like, if he goes to Tennessee, it was because of NIL. Well, maybe we don't know that for sure because being comfortable with the staff and the people around you. That's a big thing in recruiting. Yeah, now that's not, to, it's not to say that he's not comfortable with, with the staff at Ole Miss. Cause I do think he is. Um, he also connected with, with Mason Brooks on his official visit, another Texas guy, they were hanging out a good bit. He was kind of a quasi host for the quasi official visit with transfers. Um, so I think that they connected. I uh, hung out with a lot of the offensive guys. He was, um, one of the, you know, seeing seeing prospects when we're on campus, there's there's some that are just kind of there to have a good time, enjoy themselves, kick back, get wined and dined and have fun. 
And then there are different ones that will sit there and, and watch warmups and will really take it all in. Um, I saw Marcel Reed was like that. Jane Rashada, when he was there, was like that. Another 2023 guy, Kyron Borda out of St. Augustine. Um, he was very locked in to what Randall Joyner and the defensive line were doing during their warm-ups and drills before the Grove Bowl. Um, and Jalen Robinson was doing the same thing, was watching the receivers, watching them move. And we, we kind of buried the lead here. Ole Miss lost another receiver. Jaden Jackson transferred to Kansas State. So they got to find somebody else, you know, who's going to be in that slot. Ontario Drummond's gone. Braylon Sanders is gone. Jacob Pearson's gone. Dennis Jackson's still there, but they got to find playmakers. And I think that's why you're seeing such an emphasis put on Jalen Robinson. And look, and I don't think that you're trying to poo-poo on him at all, but it is a guy that battled an injury, but before he was hurt, I mean, the guy was absolutely electric as a junior. Yeah, his 2022 year is awesome. 55 receptions, 979 yards, four touchdowns. Um, obviously gets hurt in 2021, had a knee injury to cut his season short. I think he missed the last five games. Before that, he had 18 catches for 322 and two touchdowns. Um, redshirted when he was at Oklahoma, so he didn't play much. You know, he was under the four-game rule there. Um but look, I mean, I think the potential and the ceiling is there. Um, on three's transfer portal rankings has him listed as a four star. And I mean, I think it's evident with who is pursuing him. Uh, Georgia showed some interest, um, but he ended up not taking a visit. Um, the hometown team, TCU, which uh, Robinson's originally from Fort Worth, uh, he took an official visit there. And then with Tennessee, Josh Heupel and that staff there. They know a thing or two about offense and they know how to locate and utilize talent efficiently. Um, say what you want about the balls. I think Hendon Hooker got better as the year went on last year. Was one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. He's back. Um, they just landed Brew McCoy, the former five-star from USC. It's going to be a fun offense. So I, I think using the marquee and really pushing is something that I wouldn't necessarily look at it the way you're looking at it, where it's like, is this guy really worth it? I think it's more of a, a, a an emphasis on we need to land this type of playmaker to take the offense to the next level. Yeah, and I, I get it. Again, I get it. I think the marquee thing is really awesome, and I think that it should be continued in the future. Like, keep doing it, because now you've set this precedent so you have to keep doing it and you can't, you know, you have to show the same amount of love that you're showing to Jalen Robinson to other guys. But with a guy like Jalen Robinson, I'm not at all trying to downplay his talent. I, I think he's a phenomenal player. And what's interesting to me is you said it about, you know, almost sitting him down and showing him Elijah Moore tape. Elijah Moore worked primarily over the middle and Jalen Robinson will do the same. But like you said, You've got a guy in Knox who you don't know his health and you don't know what he's going to do, but he is assuming that he gets back to full health, you know, whatever the issue is that he's got going on with his broken foot and re rehab and all that, however long it takes him to get back, assuming he gets back to full health, he's probably the guy over the middle. And that's, that's great. If you can add a guy like Jalen Robinson too, because I, I sat back and I watched his, um, I would actually recommend anyone out there listening right now, 
pull up Jalen Robinson's 2022 highlights. What's really interesting about him is, yes, Ole Miss wants to use him as that kind of over-the-middle guy to maybe add some extra speed after the, the linebacker crashes down and, and pops Trigg over the line of scrimmage. Then Jalen Robinson can maybe slip around that linebacker and get open in that spot. That's all great. But when he was working with Hypel in 2022 at UCF in that offense, he mostly lined up on the outside. So like you said, with all these injuries and kind of question marks and, and uncertainty at the wide receiver position, yes, Jalen Robinson's a very valuable asset over the middle, and you can have him be a real superstar in an offense like Lane Kiffin's and Charlie Weiss Jr.'s, which is not all dissimilar from what he was doing at UCF. I mean, Hypo and Kiffin's offense, while inherently different, have a lot of that Venn diagram crossover. And so if Jalen Knox gets back, if slash when Jalen Knox get back to full health, you've got a guy like Jalen Robinson who you can then push to the outside. He made most of his big plays just being a ridiculous speedster on the outside, burning guys. Obviously the talent at Temple is a little different than Auburn, but still get him out in open space, use him all over the field. So while having him in the slot would be awesome, you could line him up anywhere. And I think, getting him in Oxford is crucial and important, but I question again, what, like what precedent does it set about this marquee? Now you've got to decide moving forward who gets that sign and you have to balance whether it, you know, if I'm a five-star wide receiver recruit and I go to Ole Miss next year, I want my name on the marquee to for an official visit. I want my name there. If I don't get it, I wonder why I'm not valued the same way as Jalen Robinson. So that's my question with it. But again, I pulled a bunch of people who went to Ole Miss, who didn't go to Ole Miss, who have no idea what's going on in college football, who have everything knowledgeable about college football. And I was the odd man out here. So I'm willing to put my hand up and admit that maybe I'm wrong about this. But I just question you know, how you value recruits and getting their name on the marquee moving forward. Um, but again, that's not to take away from, from Jalen Robinson. He's a really incredible talent who could be a very valuable asset in an offense that is still working out what it wants to be at wide receiver. And it could be something that they're going to utilize more. I mean, they should. for all we know, Lane Kiffin had no idea that that sign existed. Right. I, I don't think Lane Kiffin spends a ton of time on the square. And if we're, if we're being, I guess if we're being a little, little nitpicky here, I mean, technically the lyric is on Van Buren Avenue. So it's, it's not exactly, you know, dead center of the square. You kind of have to go off the beaten path over to the side. Um, So yeah, he could have had no idea. And he is like, why have we not been using this? Like, what are we doing? Yep. So that could have been the case where it's like, put his name on there right now. Like what, you know, so, because yeah, and also, I mean, maybe certain recruits don't really care, or again, don't know that that exists. So, if they have no idea that that marquee is there, that's true. They're not really going to worry about it. But I mean, that's true. I, I think it's more of just the the timing, and again, I keep using the word the emphasis on finding a playmaker, and I think that Jalen Robinson fits what. Ole Miss wants to do offensively from the slot position. Um, I've said it numerous times in the recruiting daily thread. 
Um, and I'll say it again here, Ole Miss sources continue to feel good. I know after the visit, they felt really good. I think there was a point maybe where they thought he might go ahead and close things down. Um, so I, I think I talked to a couple people in Knoxville and they said that he was adamant that he didn't have a leader. He didn't want to name anybody, you know, he didn't, you know, there was, there was like, if you're looking for the cookie cutter visit bump quote, like he didn't really give it. Right. So he's being very, very, very careful with his words and saying all the right things. Um, but yeah, he, he said he was going to go home, talk with his family, make a decision next week. So, uh, again, I cautiously optimistic if you're an Ole Miss fan, but I do think Ole Miss feels like they're in a good spot here. Um, but I, I absolutely do think it'll be Ole Miss or Tennessee here. All right. We're going to take our first break. And, uh, in the second segment, we're going to get into more minutiae of NIL and, and how things are changing and how recruiting is affected by it. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta Catfish to Smash Burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. Weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage, but intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. 
saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. And we are back here on Not Committed. Zach Barry, Grayson, we're with you. All right, Grayson, um, it has been quite the journey. Not even a week has gone by since we uh, discussed commissioners from the Pac-12 and the SEC going to the swamp to try to reel in NIL and how it has just become this humongous monster that uh, I wouldn't say people didn't see this coming. I think people kind of anticipated it getting a little out of control. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, um, it has really taken on a life of its own and has basically taken over college football. Um, but, um, we had some, some recent developments. Um, I was reading Jeremy Crabtree's work of on3.com. There were some NIL experts that are saying the new NCAA guideline or guidance will only continue the pay for play chaos. Um, so you've got that Paul Feinbaum has spoken out on it. Um, the NCAA is trying to nix the whole pay-for-play mantra of NIL. Um, but a lot of stuff happened. Um, the board of directors sent out new guidance on Monday to the Division One membership clarifying the current rules and prohibiting boosters from recruiting. So people were saying, well, NIL is not supposed to be used as an incentive for recruiting, but it has. So now the NCAA is trying to step in. Is this, is this the NCAA's Hail Mary? Is this their last-ditch effort? Is this their, I don't know, a, insert war metaphor here. I mean, is this like <laughs> their last stand to try to have some semblance of an identity in college sports? What I don't understand is – Because I don't think anybody fears the NCAA anymore. Exactly. I mean, honestly, at this point, Ole Miss was the sacrificial lamb where now everybody's like, dude, don't say anything. Tell them to piss off and lawyer up and we'll deal with you down the line and we'll tie you up in court and we'll just keep doing what we're doing. So that's kind of, I I don't know. I've talked to several people who have said that the NCAA just has no power anymore. And this is them trying to, get anything the 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 tiniest straws they're grasping at here and it's hilarious because like great you adopted these new guidelines that clarify the existing bylaws directly um prohibiting boosters from recruiting right so that that was the whole thing that passed yesterday and in the process it gave the NCAA enforcement staff the freedom to independently review um, NIL deals f- that are being signed from yesterday forward. 
but also retroactively. So the NCAA basically came out and said, and I'm going to use John Ruiz. We've talked a lot about John Ruiz. If you're not familiar, SparkNotes version, he's a booster down in Miami. Um, he's a billionaire. He has two companies for which he is using to put his, put Miami and a couple of Florida international, but Miami, prim, primarily Miami athletes on his bankroll and is pledged to dole out $10 million. I said million, <laughs> million um, dollars to Miami athletes through NIL. So he came out and said, a fantastic metaphor on why he ultimately couldn't be less concerned about this whole crackdown, you know, quote unquote. He said, first of all, something that I said, um, he said, quote, we feel our platform is the only one in the country that truly would be resilient to any attack by the NCAA because we do have a quid pro quo. The payments are made electronically to the athletes every two weeks. It's a very well-oiled machine. Um, in the process, he gave a great analogy for what the NCAA is doing. He said, basically, the NCAA chose not to post a speed limit on a road, on a highway, you know, whatever, when they implemented NIL back in July of last year. They, they did not post the speed limit. And then now yesterday, with this announcement that you can retroactively look into these NIL deals, you're basically going to try to get and ticket a driver for speeding, despite the fact that the speed limit was never posted. So sure, the NCAA came out and did this. And they said, oh, we have these new bylaws. Oh, boosters, you know, don't. Don't go out there and, and pay these players for their commitments. And if you do, we'll come and get you. And if you have, we'll come and get you. And they said they're going to look into like the biggest, most egregious, um, egregiously violated bylaws. So, you know, you figure that they maybe start to look into USC's, uh, maybe the Miami's, you know, the schools that have done these very public open NIL deals after landing big time recruits. Tennessee with Nico, um, with who we assume is Nico. Um, so, all of this to say, like, they did this and now what? You know, first and foremost, the NCAA doesn't, like, simply doesn't have enough staff members on its enforcement team. They, they fired, if I'm not mistaken, 20 to 25 employees during COVID, they laid them off on their enforcement team and haven't hired anyone back since. So their enforcement staff is already way too small to go out and do a full-scale nationwide inquiry. It's just not possible. They don't have enough people. And then on top of that, like you said, Zach, I, I think you said it really well, you know, kick the can down the curb. So if the NCAA does come for these programs like Miami or USC or, you know, whatever, whoever it may be, um, BYU had that one with the protein bars right out the gate. Um, if the NCAA goes to investigate them, those schools will then just tie the NCAA up in court for as long as they possibly can because of the antitrust legal challenges. I mean, how can you come out and say that there's a free market for players to get paid 
and then just completely backtracked on it. It's basically violating antitrust litigation and laws. And, and so, like you said, it's, it's a Hail Mary. Okay, guys, you know, this is really it this time. We're going to come and get you. No, they're not. This isn't going to change anything. If it does change anything, the only thing that it would change is how these collectives are working. They would maybe move to a more business-like model, like Miami and John Ruiz, which, again, they're crushing it and doing everything the right way because they're actually using these athletes as paid employees as a part of a company. Some of these collectives around the country aren't doing so in the exact same way, but a bunch of collectives came out in a piece yesterday um, about these bylaws with um, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. That's who it was. And they all came out and said, we're confident. These sports agents came out and said, we're confident in our contracts. We have very meticulously framed them and worked them to where they're well within NCAA's rules that they established on July 1st. And then on top of that, a bunch of the attorneys and, and sports agents came out and said, like, if you start to really crack down on these things and the kids who were signing the deals get punished because they've now said that these boosters who are operating in recruiting are potentially going to be charged with violations for the school. In turn, the kids at the school and the kids who signed the contract are getting punished. So these agents and attorneys are coming out and say like, that's fine. But if they try to actually dole out punishments that affects the athletes, there's going to be all kinds of class action lawsuits within 24, 48 hours, which then makes things even messier for the NCAA, which already operates with, you know, a budget that can't withstand significant legal action over the course of a long period of time, on top of the fact that the schools would start to sue them too. So all of this goes to say this long-winded, you know, conversation the NCAA is cracking down on NIL and pass new bylaws, but they're not going to enforce them. And if they do, it's going to create a whole nother myriad of issues on their end that will just muddy things even further around the country. It's chaos and stupid and dumb. And the NCAA needs to just move on from this and either really get it figured out or just let the FBS and the college football playoff police itself. Yeah, I mean, I just think at this point, there's just, it's already gone just too far, you know? Yeah. The The toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put it back in. I'm sure there are going to be people who get a little loosey goosey with it and slip up and get caught and get nagged with or or get tagged i should say with some kind of violation um but honestly at this point it has to be pretty dumb so now look a couple years ago tennessee was giving recruits monies in mcdonald's bags so that was pretty dumb um 
<laughs> I know, forgot about that. Ole Miss, you know, feels like forever ago. They were just opening their doors for the NCAA to come in and sweep hard drives and look at SMS text history on, you know, work phones. So people have been dumb in the past, but at this point, I think it's just too far gone and the NCAA is clinging to any kind of relevance that they can get. Um, I still don't think we're at the point where the power five is going to pull away Not and do soon. their own thing. I, I mean, yeah, but I'm, I won't rule it out ever, but I, I don't think so. I mean, I think at this point they kind of, you know, the, you know what they say that the, the, the prisoners have taken over the asylum or whatever, yeah. where they're just kind of running things and the NCAA is just, you know, trying to hurt a bunch of cats inside and they can't do it. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on. It's something that we can obviously continue to discuss. And, but I, I, I don't see the NCAA spooking anyone at all and keeping them from doing what they're doing. So we're going to take our final break and uh, we're going to talk a little bit as we close the show. We're not going to talk, we're not going to spend a lot of time because I, you'll see why, but um, Ben Garrett, um, actually 20 minutes ago, put up a, uh, pretty, uh, lengthy column on a one arch Manning. And we'll, uh, discuss that here. Um, so hang tight. We'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24 7 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
Closing up shop here on Not Committed. Zach Barry, Grayson Weir with you here. All right. Finally, it happened. I don't say finally it happened. It's happened before, but um, Arch Manning went on the record, talked with on three Sam Spiegelman. Um, honestly, one of the one of the, the the biggest hustlers in the game of recruiting um, down in Louisiana and Texas has a good uh, relationship with Arch with his head coach at Isidore Newman. Um, has a good relationship with Cooper Manning and uh, the rest of the Manning family. Talked with Spiegelman on uh, Monday about his recruitment and uh, basically went on the record. And, you know, we were, we were, we were talking about it last week and how he publicly eliminated Clemson and he hasn't done that with Ole Miss. People are still clinging to hope. And by people, I mean Ole Miss fans that Ole Miss is still in it. Um, I've said it on this show. I've said it on the, on the board. I've said it several times. I don't think Ole Miss has been in it for maybe four or five months, maybe longer. Um, it's been pretty evident that he's focusing on Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. And uh, he echoed that when he talked with Spiegelman. Uh, he said, quote, it's kind of getting closer. I don't really have a point yet, but I guess it's kind of narrowing stuff down. And then this quote, which is a doozy. I'm looking forward to making a decision either before the season or during the season or after the season. <laughs> if I was ready, I'd probably commit right now, but I'm not. So I'm just waiting. Um, he told Sam Spiegelman he's considering Texas, Georgia, and Alabama. Uh, he said he's also planning visits to LSU in Florida. I don't think that they're in it at all. He said some nice things about Billy Napier, said some nice things about LSU. I think he's going to Texas. I actually put in a recruiting prediction machine pick for Texas last week. Um, I just think that there's something about Steve Sarkeesian. There's something about the, the city of Austin that he likes. Um, and I think, and this is my opinion, I think for the, for the, whatever, how long it is, he kind of wants to get out of the SEC quote unquote, to create his own path to, you know, his own legacy, whatever you want to call it. Texas is going to eventually be in the SEC, but I think he just kind of clicked with the program in Austin. I think he likes the city of Austin a lot. And then he likes Steve Sarkeesian and, and the rest of that staff. Um, I, I mean, I know people are really hand-wringing, clutching at pearls about, you know, how could you do this to Ole Miss? Like, you, you, do you not want to come and, and you know, follow in your, your dad, your uncle, your grandfather's footsteps? And No, um, he doesn't. He clearly does not. And I don't think that people should take that as, well, he doesn't think Ole Miss is, is good, or he doesn't think the program is, is taking a step forward because it obviously clearly is. I think this is just kind of one of those things in recruiting where sometimes prospects just want to do their own thing. They want to go somewhere else and do something different. Um, I still think it's Texas. I think that the quarterback room at Georgia is awfully crowded. And then Alabama seems to have really zeroed in on Eli Holstein. I think they're going to get his commitment sooner rather than later, just because the dominoes continue to fall. And I think Alabama needs to secure a quarterback. Um, and look, I mean, I, I just think that it's been kind of right there for you to see Ole Miss 
you want to talk about zeroing in, I mean, they have been very upfront, literally and figuratively. They like Marcel Reed, who committed to Ole Miss, and they like Jane Rashada. And they have not wavered one bit. Briefly pursued Chris Bazina. They wanted him. He came on campus. He loved it. Said all the right things. And then Clemson really turned up the heat. And look, I mean, these guys, they want to find a, find a place that they like and they want to get their spot and they want to claim it. Marcel Reed said the same thing. Said he knows that people want to go play quarterback at Ole Miss and he wanted to go ahead and get his spot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that the staff has been kind of obviously pointing towards, you know, hey, we're, we're not going to play this game. We're not going to wait. We like other prospects. We think that they fit the offense. And if they reciprocate, that feeling then, and they want to come, then we're going to take them. So Marcel reads in the commitment column. He's in the class with uh, Santarian Perkins. Um, they are still going after Jane Rashada. Um, that has all been confirmed by several sources around the Ole Miss program. The staff is obviously still recruiting him. And he said it in an interview with Brandon Huffman of 247 Sports that um, Ole Miss was very honest with him. They were very upfront when he was visiting. And uh, he was – I think that that went a long way with Jaden Rashada, where he said, you know what, like, yeah, ideally I would like to be the only quarterback in the class so I can go in and really carve out my role and find a spot. But if I have to battle someone else, so be it. Because, again, we say it all the time on the show, talented prospects think that they can beat out anybody. So, um, again, like I said, really lengthy – Tons of information, tons of quotes, and uh, Ben does a fantastic job laying it all out of, hey, Arch Manning's not coming to Ole Miss, and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I don't. I it, I think we've known this for a while, and and the people who are just fi- figuring it out for the first time, you know, are just oblivious. And and to say, oh, you know, Arch, how could he do this? That his grandpa, his uncle. I mean, Peyton did it, and it's now what. Uh, give or take 30 years later. Is anyone really still salty about Peyton going to Tennessee? Like, I, I mean, put it, put yourself in those shoes. Uh, and I have myself multiple, multiple times. If I'm Arch Manning, unless I'm like really this incredible social outward, putting myself in the public eye, uh, trying to make as much money through NIL and all kinds of deals with Caesars, et cetera, all that stuff, which Arch is not. I have no desire to go be in the shadow of my grandfather, to go be in the shadow of my uncle. Like, yeah, it would have been really cool because you would have been the guy in the town for the Mannings. Who wants that? Who wants that pressure? Being the first guy? makes sense for Eli sure fine you're the first one but to be the second one to do that it was it would not be for me and those who are faulting arch or I mean it's a very small amount of people and you know exactly who those people are that are blame eh, you know why why did arch do this it's fine it's no big deal like there are so many other quarterbacks out there and in some ways it might be a blessing 
you have enough firepower and star power in Oxford already. Jackson Dart's a huge name. Zach Evans is a huge name. Lane Kiffin. Adding Arch Manning to that mix, while obviously everyone and their mother would like Arch Manning at their school, what does he really add except for a lot more drama, a lot more scrutiny, and a lot more chaos? Rather than having the pressure to go out and win with Arch Manning, you know, if you have Arch Manning, you have to go win. If Texas, if slash when Texas lands Arch, because that seems to be the general consensus here. Yeah. Texas needs to go win a national championship with Arch Manning. Not having that pressure might be a good thing. Yeah. Look, I, I, what do they say? Pressure makes diamonds, creates diamonds. Um, I, I've said my piece about my concerns with not competing in the Elite 11 and not competing at camps and seven on seven and getting out there and, and showing that you are in fact the number one player in the country could just be me just really making it out to something that it's not. I mean, for all we know, Arch could just, you know what, if I'm not playing with my teammates, if I'm not practicing with them, I just want to sit at home and I don't know, study crypto or (laughs) play call of duty or whatever the game is everybody plays now. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that the, the pressure is absolutely there. I mean, I think the pressure is there and it's mounting for Texas. They have a ton of high expectations already just because it's Texas football and they think that Vince Young was yesterday and they are constantly chirping about their back. Um, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them this year. I don't know if it's going to be Hudson Card. I don't know if it's going to be Quinn Ewers. But, I mean, that's already – It's going to be Quinn the hype is already there before Arch gets there with Quinn Ewers, who was, I believe uh, by the on three consensus, maybe the highest rated quarterback prospect ever. And he came out early, went to Ohio state, transferred back home to Texas. I mean, they are already poised to either bask in the glory of Texas is in fact back or to be let down once again, because they're going to put a ton of pressure in what an 18 year old yeah Uh, yeah, 18 because he graduated early early, um so it's and and look i mean maybe that's where i'm off on arch where he's like you know what i know about the pressure and the expectations that come with going to play for the longhorns and he embraces it and he goes there i think he does jeremy crabtree put in an rpm prediction as well for texas um, I think a lot of people are leaning that way now. I still don't see the the Georgia. I know he says all the right things about Kirby Smart and about Athens, and they won the national championship. I still think there's some really good quarterbacks that are there on that roster, and I think he sees the path to maybe playing a little bit earlier at Texas because Quinn Ewers plays one, two years, and then bolts, um, and then you're there after a redshirt season you've learned the system, you're comfortable, you've acclimated to the speed of the game, because it's going to be different. It's different for everybody, but coming from Isidore Newman to playing in Power 5 football, Big 12, eventually the SEC, I mean, it's going to be night and day different. So I – And you saw it with his uncles. Yeah. I mean, you see it with Odell Odell Beckham. He did just fine. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the way Ben wrote and worded the column was perfect where, look, yeah, if Arch Manning had picked Ole Miss or was going to pick Ole Miss, of course, it'd be great. Number one player in the country. That'd be the first time that it's happened since Shea Patterson. And the only <laughs> other time it's happened was when they got Robert Kimdichie. So, yeah, that'd have been third number one guy ever in the history of the program. It'd have been huge. It's obviously the Manning name. So just, you know, dollar signs and NIL and all of the TV money and exposure, yada, yada. But it's going to be fine. They still, I mean, you already said it. They've got Jackson Dart, got Michael Trigg, you've got Zach Evans, you've got Mason Brooks, you've got Ladarius Tennyson, you've got Aishim Young, you've got Troy Brown, you've got all these transfer portal guys that are coming in. Um, I mean, Deion Smith is still out there. Um, you know, we, we talked about receivers a lot in the first segment. We didn't mention Malik Heath, another guy that can come in. If his body is right, if he's back from that injury and he's healthy, he's a legitimate red zone weapon to go along with Michael Trigg. I mean, that's pretty scary. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be okay is basically the gist of, of that column. And I think, I think Ben nailed it. Like, yeah, best case scenario, of course you want the best case scenario. But it's not the end of the world. So that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of Not Committed. Covered a lot of ground today. We'll be back Thursday. A little preview of Dante Dowell's announcement Friday. I believe it's at 4, 4 p.m. Central Time. It might be 4.30. Um, it's uh, down in Ocean Springs. I, I believe they're doing like a collective group of like different players that are committing. Um, so they're hosting at Ocean Springs. Um, I believe their high school is hosting it. Um, so we'll have a preview show, talk about where we think Dante Dowdle is going, um, how he could potentially impact this Ole Miss class and, and the running back room down the road. So um, that's going to do it. We'll be back Thursday, like I said. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Obviously, thanks to Grayson. And um, thanks to the sponsors that make the show possible. Like, subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. Stay locked in at on3.com. Stay locked in at omspirit.com. We've got tons of uh, daily threads with recruiting updates, basketball recruiting. This might be getting one more guy from the portal. Um, so, yeah, stay locked in there and uh, keep yourself updated. Till then, we'll be back on Thursday. We out.